Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban. Here with my friend of Chabruta, Ann Gordon. Our daft today, Masachet Kitubot, Daft Sadi Gimel, page 93. Well, the Gemara here has a Mishnah that really, to me, presents as a sort of word problem, like those math word problems we had to do in school. And it reads as follows. Okay, so we have somebody who was married to three women. Vamate, he dies. Each of these women do not have a ketuba that's of equal value. One is worth a mana, one is worth two, one is worth two, matayim, and one is worth three. The ain't from el mana, but the estate only has a value of a mana. So then they all just get, it's just divided equally. They're, they're each going to get uh, an equal portion. Let's say there were 200 dinars in the estate. So in that case, uh, the one whose ketubah was worth a mana gets 50 dinars. The two whose ketubah were worth 200 and 300, respectively, each of them is going to get... Um, three dinars of gold each, which is basically equivalent to 75 silver dinars. So the first one's getting 50 silver dinars. The other two are getting 75 silver dinars. Hayusham shloshmeot, shelmana notel of chamishim, v'shelmatayim manav, v'shel shloshmeot shisha shel zahav. If there were 300 uh, dinars in the estate, then the first one, the first ketubot still only gets uh, would get a would get fifty. The one who was worth a hundred, so that's the same as the previous scenario. Um, the second one who had the two hundred one gets a hundred, and the third one who had the three hundred one gets six dinars of gold, which is equal to a hundred and fifty silver dinars. Right, so it's basically split fifty, a hundred, one fifty. The chain shloshashi tilu lakis pechatu ohotiro kachin and again, as we've discussed before, much of the monetary and financial law, that's just how Ketubot is being treated, right? So since we're talking about it's sort of like three people who are sort of like in on an investment together, right? The three women are in on the investment of this husband's estate, okay? Um, so they also here say that if there are three individuals who deposited money into a purse, in other words, they invested different amounts of money into some type of joint business venture, whether they incur a loss or they earn a profit, once they dissolve that business venture, right, they have to divide the assets in this matter as well. In other words, you get based on the proportion of what you invested. Now, part of what needs to be understood is, is that this thing of this man who, uh, you know, who uh, married these three women, the difference that we've seen with some of the other cases where it's been two is that there was sort of an assumption of, that maybe one person, he married one person first. And so the whatever ketubah came first, that's ketubah that needs to be paid first. Here, the assumption is, is that he married these three women at the same time and that the ketubah, therefore, are all at the same date. So they all have to be paid out at the same time. Again, it was sort of like a joint business venture, right? These three women agreed to marry this man at the same time. The Gemara starts with a great question uh, because if you really do the math on this word problem, Here's the problem. So the Gemara says that this person, right, where there's 200 dinars, okay, we're talking about, right, 
and the wife whose marriage contract was for 100 dinars gets 50 dinars. The question basically is that wife whose marriage, whose ketubah is for 100, why does she take 50? She really should only take 33 and a third. In other words, her claim is only for the first 100 dinars, right? Because that's all that her ketubah was, value, was valued at. And since all three women have basically the same right to that first 100, then that first 100 really should just be divided equally between the three of them. So I'm not going to go into detail, but essentially what the Gemara does is it's sort of the typical Gemara fashion of you have a Mishnah that doesn't seem to completely make logical sense. And so the Amorayim are going to come and they're going to add facts to the scenario. So, for example, so Shmuel says this is really a case where the wife, whose ketubah is for the 200, wrote a document to the wife whose, whose ketubah was for 100 and said, I don't have any legal dealings or like involvement with you for the first 100. So the only way the Amorim can make this Mishnah make sense is they sort of have to change they have to add details. Let's say they're not changing the Mishnah, but they add details to the Mishnah or, you know, to embellish what the scenario actually is. Again, I'm not going to read all of it, but the point more is, is that this Mishnah is very puzzling to the Amorayim. From a mathematical point of view, it doesn't really make sense how everything is divided up. Um, I think it's interesting that we've got word problems in the Gemara, you know. I guess that's always true, but today especially, it feels like unexpected that we were going to have word problems here. Um, and then, of course, when the Gemara doesn't even like the way the Gemara, the problem is solved, and it has to kind of jigger the facts behind the scene to make sure that it makes sense. Right, so it, um, it ends up becoming a word problem and a logic problem. <laughs> like, you know, yes. It's, that, it's a brain teaser, basically. That's the word I was looking for along. It's a brain teaser. All right, so I'm moving now on to, I'm further down on Ahmed Aleph, where the Gemara is going to pick up, really, the case of this. these people who are kind of investing together. And in this case, it's it's a, the parallel, I would say, of proper investment. So we have here the, the line from the Mishnah is, the three people who um, all deposited money, I guess, is the way to translate it. So Shmuel describes a case of two people who each give money to the keys, to the pocket or to the purse, whatever, to the fund. And one gives a 100 dinar and one gives 200 dinar. So the point here being that they're not giving the same sums of money, but they end up, whatever they benefit from this investment, it says they divide that equally. So Rabba says that Shmuel's whole position here of dividing the earnings equally makes sense. You know, it's it's good logic when you're gonna when you're talking about a situation where you're buying a, an ox and the ox is gonna plow and you can't buy just part of an ox. So each person's contrib- contribution is equally necessary, even if one ends up giving more money and the other gives it less money. At the end of the day, you don't have any ox if both people did not um, did not contribute. So you end up again. You have you they together bought an ox for plowing. They use the ox for plowing, and then they divide the earnings from that plowing 
Um, and then each of them gets an equal, an equivalent or an equal, really, an equal amount. But according to Rabbi, and this I think makes good sense, right? That when they buy an ox for plowing, and then instead of using the ox for plowing, what they do is they, they shecht the animal, right? They use the animal for meat. Then they're going to also divide the income from the amount of whatever they got from selling that meat. Because an ox is really a lot of meat. So the position here, Rabbah's position here, is that each person takes proportional to the amount that they contributed. So that if you know, one gets one third and one gets two thirds, let's say, if one by using the original numbers. Um, and the idea there being that, you know, the once you've killed the animal, you you're gonna have a you can divide it up from a proportional earning side of things. But Rav Hamnuna says, no, even where they purchase the plow for the ox for plowing, so you can say that they're each going in and each sum, each sum is equally necessary, and then they use the animal for, for, for meat in the end, according to Rav Hamnuna, they would still divide it equally. And there's a good amount of discussion in the Rishonim as to why this would be. Um, and for that matter, the Gemara goes on to, to have an objection to Rabba's statement, right? Like it's not this, we can make this sound very smooth and, and straightforward as a logical kind of division of funds. And yet um, I think that the once you delve into it, it's not so simple what, what the answer should be. It's not so simple to say each should get proportional because they're not, it's not always that one is of lesser importance. On the other hand, it's not so easy to say that they should, um, that they should go even Stephen because there's also, it doesn't quite make sense when you're talking about what each person contributes. Um, okay. I want to, the reason I'm kind of um, summarizing at this point is because I want to get to the last mission here, which is at the bottom of the daf on Amabed. So we have here, Umate, pardon me. We have here a complicated case. We have a woman who's married to four women. Uh, what did I say? We have a man who's married to four women, and he dies. And now the question is, how are they going to collect their inheritance from him? Each one of them takes the precedence, the hierarchy is by the order of marriage, in terms of being able to collect the ktuba. And each one in order, in that same hierarchical order, would need to take an oath to say that she did not take anything from the property that was jointly owned in terms of the estate, that she's done it all above board, that she's taking only what she's entitled to, and each one takes that oath to each each successive wife. And the last one, the fourth wife here, is gets her portion. She does not have to take an oath because, because she didn't get anything beforehand, right? So she doesn't have to say that she got it in the appropriate manner because she's the one getting fundamentally the, whatever's left over. So Benana said, is that fair that she gets to take her property without having to take that oath simply because she's last? And then he says that really she should also have to take an oath, right? Because she's being paid from the property that if if otherwise, if she didn't take that oath, it would go to the Yatomim, it would go to the to the children, to any orphans, right? Meaning orphans from the father. Obviously, the mothers are right here. Um, 
So therefore, she should have to take her oath to say that she's only taking what's hers and that she has, isn't taking anything that should otherwise go to the children. However, if, what would happen if all of these ketubot, you know, came to be paid out on the same day? So then the claim is that whichever one shows up, whichever ketuba preceded that of the other, even even by an hour, it says um, gets paid first. Uh, I've said this wrong. It's not if they're coming to be paid out on the first day. If they were all, if they were all um, written to begin with on the on the same day, right? So that this is a man who married four women. Where I don't know why the ketubot are all on the same day. Are they all on the same day because all four marriages happened at once? That seems a little bit, um, as you would say, you're you know pushing it, uh, boundary pushing. On the other hand, it could well be that they got married in succession. And not all the details of the ketubo were necessarily done on time. I'm not saying that's a good way to do it. I'm saying I'm trying to figure out how it could ever possibly be. Well, if all... ketubo were still, like, innovative, it may have been, like, you know, like the way sometimes people sign, like, a post-snop. Like, maybe it was done later. I don't know. Right. So that was my th- – I think that yeah. was pushing my thinking as well. But we don't have that information. Um, and even what I saw quickly in the Rishonim um, doesn't explain why it would happen. It just explains – the process, right? So, um, which is a kind of a Rishonim approach as well. So what happens, again, if all four of them were issued at the same day, then whichever one of them shows up whenever they show up, even within the span of an hour, that's going to be sufficient um, to be the first one there. And we follow, it falls into the principle of kol hakodem zoche, the first first one there gets the first picks, right? Um, and in Jerusalem, they would actually put in the hours, like a timestamp on the ketubah. A great detail in the Mishnah. Right? Yeah. To be able to know whose ketubah was when. And again, I may simply be wrong that people were not having um, multiple wives on one day, right? It might really be that they were actually getting married to more than one person in one day if this practice was to put in the timestamp and not just the date. And what would happen if they were all issued at the same hour and you've only got a hundred dinar to pay all of them? Meaning now this is the Mishnah saying, I'm going to give you the extreme case where they were all literally at the same time and there was literally no money to pay all of them, you know, in the sum that they should have had. And the Mishnah's answer is, you divide those funds, whatever the funds are, since they're insufficient to begin with, you divide them in such a way that each wife gets an equivalent, uh, an equal sum. Each one would get 25. Um, and uh, I guess we'll follow through the Gemara onto tomorrow's daf. But at this point, I would say that this Gemara is both, seems to me to be both highly practical and also establishing the real boundaries of you know, what could possibly happen for this kind of need. Right. So what's interesting is as much as, you know, I thought we could name this episode like brain teasers. And when you say brain teasers, it has sort of a theoretical, you know, sort of piece to it. Like it's let's come up with the most fantastical case. But because of that detail in the Mishnah about the timestamp, these were not theoretical. These were actual cases like this obviously happens in some way. Yeah, they must have. They must have because it's too specific. It's too specific. Exactly. 
Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenue Michelle Barber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Targeting Talent Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 